Bibles turn to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 5 this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 5, and I want to join Daniel in welcoming our guests this morning. We're glad you're here. If today is your first day here, please come back, visit us again. Uh, we're going through a series called uh, Give Me a Break, which we all need. A lot of you have taken one, if not two, if not three vacations this summer. It blows my mind. But uh, sometimes we need a break, right? We need some rest. We need some re relaxation. We need to be renewed. We need to be re-energized. And so we've been talking about that. And we've been talking about it through the lens uh, and the scope of looking at the Ten Commandments. And I understand that's kind of weird and that's kind of freaky that we would talk about, you know, rest, relaxation, vacation, give me a break and all that and tie that to the Ten Commandments. But hopefully what we've been trying to do is get you to look at the Ten Commandments from a different perspective. To, to look at it a, a different way than maybe we've always looked at it uh, in the past, uh, that the Ten Commandments can be something that ultimately renew us, brings refreshment, brings a new energy, brings life uh, uh, back to us in our, our physical bodies and spiritual uh, bodies as well. Because I believe people often look at, at these commandments and, and they think of it as a, a list of rules and we don't really look at it as something that could be refreshing or or that's renewing. And so we started out talking about the Ten Commandments. And I told you when we started a few weeks ago that, you know, I was going to take a few of these and look at them. Uh, and so now we're in week six of this, and I believe we've looked at seven of them so far. So we're just going to finish up, if you don't mind. We're going to do all ten. And uh, because I really got convicted that as I was looking through the Ten Commandments, I thought, well, you know, this one would be a good one to preach on, and, and this one would be a good pr to preach on, and I could do this, and this would be really cool with this one. But these over here... I don't, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to go there. And, and God kind of checked me and said, I gave you all 10, not just a few. Amen. So if you're here today, I just want to encourage you to come back next week. <laughs> no, this is going to be great because uh, God gives us, you know, we talked about it starting out with these 10 commandments. God gives us these, and, and I kind of compared them in week one and, and, and described it as kind of like the sandbox that we have in the black backyard. You know, some, for, uh, some of us had them for our children and our, our grandchildren. But, you know, God gives us this awesome sandbox to play in that he calls life, right? And, and he gives us, you know, relationships, and he gives us friendships, and, and he gives us laughter, and he gives us peace, and he gives us joy. He gives us happiness. He gives us the ability to play. He gives us the ability to work. He gives us the ability to be able to love. He, he gives the, us the ability to have purpose and live with a purpose. And all of that is, is what we get to enjoy in God's sandbox. All of that is what we get to enjoy in life. But God knew that it was important for us, for our own good, that he would define the boundaries of the sandbox, right? That he would define the, the parameters that we must stay within to be able to enjoy all of these great and good things that he has for us and he's prepared for us and he wants us to have in our own lives. And the boundaries aren't set there to limit our freedom, Right? They're not there to limit our freedom. The boundaries are there to keep us from harming ourselves. 
from getting hurt, right? From, from, and from harming ourselves, not just physically, but also spiritually. And so we've been looking at how the Ten Commandments can, can serve us in our lives so that we can have maximum satisfaction and minimum regret. They're, they're all about maximum satisfaction and minimum regret. And the Ten Commandments are, are the, the moral principle of who God is and what he's all about. So we want to obey them, not to earn his favor, but because we already have his favor, we want to obey and live within these guidelines and these principles that he's given us. And so today, we're going to be talking about relationships today. As we dig into uh, this next commandment, uh, and relationships can be challenging, right? Relationships can be, can be hard. They can be difficult, especially when we're talking about within the concept uh, of the home, uh, within marriage. Uh, Lynette and I, this coming December, will celebrate our 29th uh, wedding anniversary. And they said we would never make it. Uh, and I did ask her last night to confirm that it was going to be 29, just so I didn't mess that up in front of God and everybody this morning. And she actually had to think about it, so I felt pretty good about that. 29 years, and it's been awesome. And while we definitely have had more good days than bad days, we've had our struggles, right? It's not always been the greatest. And so we've had our struggles because anybody that has been married for very long at all knows that there are struggles when it comes to being married and, and the relationship of marriage. And I promise you, I promise you, there are no perfect marriages. There may be in the first few weeks after you get married, right? But it, it, there, there are no perfect marriages. And anybody that you look at and think that they have a perfect marriage, they're faking it, right? It, it cannot be done. A lot of people probably look at Lynette and I and think, you know, they've, just, they've got it all together. They've got the perfect marriage. You know, I, I'll just be perfectly honest with you. There was a point in time where uh, that sermon that I preached last week would have been directed right at Lynette and I. What was last week's uh, commandment? Thou shalt not murder. There was a time when we were both trying to figure out how to hide the body. The only thing that was keeping us from doing it is we couldn't find an accomplice to help us get rid of the body, right? So... It, it's not all perfect. And so we got to be honest about that, and we got to recognize that, and we, you know, we got to be aware that it's not perfect, and it's not going to be perfect. And, and so what happens is, is it gets relatively easy in our marriage to get to places to where we begin to drift and drift apart. And I was talking to someone not long about this, and it almost seems to happen. You can almost nail it down to almost perfectly to about every seven or eight years it begins to happen. And, and, but, but you begin to, to have and experience this, this drift in a marriage, and it just naturally takes place. It doesn't happen intentionally. But if you're not careful, you will naturally begin to drift apart. And you can drift so far apart that sometimes it's difficult for us to overcome how far apart we've actually drifted in our relationships, in our marriage. We don't just wake up one day thinking that this is going to happen. 
Right? We just don't wake up one day and all of a sudden decide that we're going to drift apart intentionally. It just happens over time. And before you know it, through the busyness of work, through the busyness of our careers, right, the busyness of raising kids, we can find ourselves in two totally different places, even though that we're married. And the reason that that's so dangerous is because human beings, every single one of us has hum, as human beings, we have some of these core needs that have to be met in our lives. And, and what I'm talking about is I'm not talking about our wants and our desires. They are sure enough legitimate needs, just like we need water, just like we need food. We have emotional needs in our lives that have to be met. And we need to know that and we need to understand that when it comes to the context of, of being married. Some people, uh, you know, uh, have needs of affection, needs for love. We have needs for kindness, for affirmation, for, for companionship. We have needs for conversation. And, and so these are some of the things that Lynette and I, we really drill down into. For those of you that have been in our marriage groups before, uh, Lynette and I host a marriage group on Sunday evenings. It's a six-week thing that we go through with a lot of married couples. We've been through about 30, 35 couples now in the church that have come through our home. And we really drill down and discuss and focus on these needs uh, in, that, in that group that we host in our home. And if you've not been through that, we'd love for you to do it. It's not for people that are having trouble, all right, even though it would help. But also, uh, it's for anybody that, that might just be good right now. It'll help you have a better marriage. I promise you that it would. So if you've not been through that, love for you to sign up. I believe we have one open position uh, through the end of the year. And then we'll begin another one after the, begin, after the first of the year. But uh, we'd love to have you do that. But here's the deal. We all have these needs in our life that have to be met. All right? They have to be met. And if those needs aren't being met in the relationship of marriage, it is a very dangerous place to be, okay? And, and because we, we've seen it happen time and time again, time and time again, we've seen this take place. And oftentimes, when the, these needs are not being met in the relationship of marriage, someone else will enter into the picture that's fulfilling those needs, Right? Not, all, not always, but often that is what will take place. Because these people sometimes in, in the con, uh, context of, of being married, one or, or the other or maybe even both, will feel like at times that they're just wandering in the desert, dying of thirst to have their needs met. Right, And then someone comes along and begins to compliment them and Tell them how good they look or how good they smell, how handsome they are, or, or, or they, it begins maybe just with, with simple conversation because the conversation isn't taking place in the home, and so it begins to take place at the workplace or at the gym or somewhere else, and so that need of conversation is being met by someone outside the, the context of marriage and the relationship. And when that begins to happen, it becomes very, very easy to get drawn into either an affair 
or into a relationship violating those marriage vows that you at one time would have sworn on a stack of Bibles in your grandmama's grave that you would have never, ever, ever violated. But yet it happens, right? And it all begins innocently because you've drifted. Your needs were not being met at home. And that's where it began. And so this is what uh, part of, of what I want us to, to look at today. And we're going to be back in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 18. Again, this is relatively simple, what God says to us in laying out these guidelines for life, not being something that, you know, we have to do just to earn his approval, but it's something that we get to do to enjoy God's best for us and what he has for us. God says this. He simply says, you must not commit adultery. All right? Pretty straightforward, isn't it? Pretty, pretty simple command. It's not hard for us to understand or figure out what he's trying to say here. He says, don't commit adultery. And, and the whole idea of, of adultery as they understood it at that time, and most of us understand it today, is somebody who is married gets involved in a physical relationship and I wouldn't just say physical today because I've seen it far too many times. It can also be an emotional relationship that someone gets involved with who is not their spouse. And oh, by the way, the majority of the time, that emotional relationship will develop into a physical relationship. The minds come together and then the bodies come together. Okay, and so, so we need to understand that's what adultery is. And, and I understand today that this is very complicated, you know, and there's some of you who may have been through one side of this or the other side of that, and you've been through the pain. You know the pain. Maybe you're still experiencing the pain of that. Lynette and I have talked with countless people over the years uh, and have helped them deal with and go through terrible, terrible pain of situations that have been caused by this and so we know we understand how devastating that that it can be i also understand that it can be uh, very complicated and can be painful to to some of you that are here today but here's the deal like i said when i started going through this and start, wanted to do this series based off some of the 10 commandments god checked me on that and said i gave you 10 and even though this may make us uncomfortable, even though this may drudge up some pain, even though this may cause us to have to have some conversations that we really don't want to have, God says you can't skip it just because you don't like it. <laughs> right? And so we're not going to skip it just because we don't like it. And so uh, I can stand up here also today uh, because of experiences that I've been through and things that Lynette and I have seen and, and witnessed. And I could stand up here till past lunch today uh, to tell you what you need to stop doing, <laughs> right? What, what you need to stop or what you don't need to do or what you need to cut out right now. But I believe that you know that. I don't believe I have to stand here and tell you. I believe we've all got sense enough to know what we ought to stop. And if you're caught up in an inappropriate relationship today, God's plan for you is to stop it. <laughs> it's, it his plan for you is, is to stop it right now. And you know what? You don't have to. You don't have to. But you get to before it destroys you and a whole lot of other people around you from the ripple effects of what's going on. But instead of doing that today, being the hammer and being the bad guy, 
What I want to do is I want to look at this from kind of more of a, a, a positive uh, uh, side of this command that God gives us. He gives it to us for the good of our own marriages, right? And so I want to kind of focus on that so that we won't drift to a place where we might be likely to depend on someone else to supply our needs. So what I want to talk about this morning is how do we build an affair-proof marriage? Well, what does it look like on the positive side to try to uh, be proactive to keep from drifting apart? And I know there are some people here today, and you're probably thinking, this doesn't apply to me, but it very well could. All right, when, when we get confident enough in ourselves that we think this will never happen, we're on a slippery slope. Okay, so we always need to be aware. And if you're not even married today, you know people who are. And you encourage and you influence and you can speak wisdom into the life of those people. One of the reasons we do this marriage group in our home, and we share this every time we start one, Lynette and I weren't having much luck keeping couples together, honestly. We had a 0% uh, success rate in keeping people from getting divorced. And so we stepped back and said, what can we do? We've got to do something because it's one of the biggest problems that we have in the church today. And we can't just ignore it and look away and pretend it's not happening because it's happening every single week I get a phone call. And so what can we do? And so we begin to think we got to be proactive in this with our church family. And not only that, not only speak some wisdom and give some people some tools to be able to use so they have stronger and better marriages, but we also want to equip you to help us. Right? Part of what we're doing is, is getting uh, this knowledge and this wisdom in your heads and in your hands because you've got kids and grandkids and friends that are all married. And oh, by the way, no one has a perfect marriage, right? And so we can all be helpful. And so that's part of this morning. If you're like, this don't apply to me, this applies to you if you know someone married, if you're married or if you're ET. I don't know. It applies to everybody. So, listen, everybody listen. Wake up. Those of you who are asleep, I'm not going to look at you straight, but wake up. But the goal today is that, you know, we don't drift to a place to where we find ourselves in this situation. Uh, uh, A fellow that we use that we have uh, found to be very, very good is a fellow by the name of Dr. Willard Harley. Uh, those that have been through our marriage groups, very familiar. He's a Christian counselor. Uh, he's an author. Uh, and he, Lynette and I have been using his resources for several years. One of the books that he's written is a book that's called uh, His Needs, Her Needs. It's probably one of the most popular books uh, on marriage from a Christian perspective uh, that's available and out there today. L- Lynette and I have literally bought dozens and dozens of these books and got them into the hands of, of married couples, and we highly recommend it. This book, as I mentioned uh, earlier, Lynette and I actually had got to a place to where we needed some help, and this book was a huge help. This was a life. Th- this book saved my life, <laughs> you know, and so uh, it was definitely a life changer in our own marriage. And, and one of the reasons this is so good. Uh, uh, and he's been able to save thousands and thousands of marriages is because he's hit on to some really, really great ideas and great things. And, and he says that in all of his counseling, 
You know, he's met with hundreds and hundreds of, of couples over the years, and he has found this. And this is so common sense, but I had to hear him say it to really get it. He said, you know, in all my years of counseling, in all my years of working with people uh, about marriages, he said, I found that no one was ever having an affair and no one was ever talking about divorce if they were in love. No one was ever mentioning it. Nothing was, an affair was not even being considered. And divorce was never talked about if they were in love. He says, but if their needs were not being met and they were no longer in love. And this was the excuse Lynette and I would hear time and time again when we would sit down with a couple that really wasn't wanting counseling. They were just wanting us to tell them it was okay to get a divorce. Right? And so they would come to us and kind of wanting us to affirm what they were doing. And, and, and we would often, often, time and time again say, well, I'm just not in love with that person anymore. And it's when we begin to get into that place, that's where the affairs and divorce begin to play into these marriages. And so what Dr. Harley began to do is he began to ask these couples. He would say, what is it that your spouse does that makes you happy? What, what was it that you fell in love with to begin with, right? Because you would have never got married unless you were in love. Uh, and, and so he, he would ask them, you know, what is it that, that made you fall in love with them? What is it that, that you adored? What is it that they did that made you happy? And he said what was interesting about this is he would ask all these people this question when the women would make out the list of their top needs, the top things, emotional needs they have, uh, that would make them happy. And he said, and then the men, they would make out a list of the top things that would make them happy. And you know what he learned? The majority of the time happened when they would make these lists out. <laughs> they were the total opposite, right? They were the, the total opposite. The women's top needs that they had in order to have a relationship would be at the bottom of the list for men. And the, the, the list that the men would make, the top needs that they had, that they needed in a relationship, were at the bottom of the women's list. There's the problem, right? Dr. Harley said, it did take a rocket scientist to figure this out. Once we uh, started identifying what the needs were uh, for people in relationships. And so here's what we need to understand about our marriages and our relationships. And I wish someone would have told me this in year one of being married instead of year 25 of being married, right? And so maybe this will be a help to you. But we need to understand that men and women approach relationships from total different ends of the spectrums. We're all looking for different things in a, in a relationship. And so we need to know that. We need to understand that and, and acknowledge that, uh, that, you know, we all have these different perspectives and, and requirements. And the bottom line is this. If you're not meeting the needs of your spouse, it's very possible that someone else will. Okay. It's not always the case because we've seen couples where one or the other was pouring themselves literally into the relationship. They were meeting every need. They were serving, 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 serving. They could do everything that they possibly could, and the other one still walked away from the relationship, and it was really no fault of their own. But I would say the majority of the time that someone else goes and has their needs met by someone outside the relationship because those needs were not being met in that marriage. 
Okay, and so I want to just take a look at some of that today as we look at this commandment that can be very difficult and painful. Here's something that Dr. Harley says in his book. He says, while most people would deny that they could ever get involved in an affair, the hard truth is that under the right or wrong conditions, any of us can fall victim if our basic needs are not being met. And the truth is, we've got to be intentional about this, all right? And if we're not intentional about this, and the relationship starts to break down and drift apart, all kinds of things can happen, things that we never thought would happen or that we would ever do. And so what I want to do is I just want to break this down today, and it may not apply to you. It may not apply to you or your relationship. These needs may not be your needs, but the important thing is that you identify your needs together as a couple. And if you're not willing to go through the marriage group that Lynette and I do, at least get this book, okay, and read it. And both of you need to read it. Don't be the guy like me that's like, you read the book and tell me what it says, right? Because it's, takes, it's both of you being active participants in it. Important thing is that we identify those needs that you have together as a couple, and then you start working to meet each other's needs. Because the Apostle Paul basically said in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and this is kind of the Steve paraphrase version of what Paul was saying when he was talking about marriage, but basically Paul taught us, you know what, marriage is not a place where we stand up for our rights. Marriage is a decision that we make to serve our spouse. And maybe we've got, the, we've got the, the, the picture of what marriage is supposed to be distorted. Because God's intention for marriage and our relationship with our spouse is that we serve one another. And maybe you're here this morning and you've got caught up in that drift that I mentioned and you kind of feel like maybe you're growing apart instead of growing together. Maybe your kids have moved on and you're in a different season of life. Those changes in different seasons of life affects our marriage in great ways. And so we have to recognize that and acknowledge that. Maybe you're in an empty house. Am I, going, am I going dead or is that just, no, I'm good. My antenna may be bad, but we've got to, you know, uh, maybe, maybe you've had kids. I, I don't know. I, I know that when we had kids, my, my wife went from being my wife to being their mom, you know, and I was kind of felt like I was being pushed on the back burner. And so, you know, there's all kinds of issues around the different seasons of life that we have we need to be aware of. But here's the deal. When we enter these different phases of life and things start changing and they're not exactly like they were when we were dating and when we got married, when these different events and different seasons come along, it, it, we can kind of begin to neglect the core purpose of what marriage is all about and what God intended marriage to be. And marriage, listen, God created it right? God created marriage to be a good thing within the sandbox, within these boundaries. It's a place, though, where we serve one another. That's the boundaries within, you know, what God intends for us having. The best way that we can serve each other is to determine what each other's needs are and then meet those needs, do our best to meet those needs. Make sense? Amen. All right. So I'm going to break it down this morning, and I just want to look at a couple those of you that have been through the marriage group, you're real nervous because you know there's 10, 
that we go through. I'm only looking at a couple, all right? So we ought to be out of here in time for lunch. Dr. Harley found that the number one need of the majority of women in all of his research was the need for affection, all right? She needs affection. So if you're a married man, you need to know what it is that shows her affection, okay? And here's what I know about you. You don't have a clue what that is. <laughs> you don't know, all right? So here's, here's what I'm saying we got to do as men. Ask her, okay? Ask her because this is a huge need for your wife. This is important. And it's, it's the glue for the woman that holds the relationship all together. It's that important, okay? And so, you know, it could be different things for different people. For your wife, it may be a hug that she likes that shows her affection. For Lynette, I found out 20 years too late that it was for me to grab her hand while we were walking down the sidewalk or across the parking lot. I also found that she felt affection when I would do things without her asking. When I would help clean the kitchen, when I would take out the trash, when I wouldn't demand a thank you when I did. There's all kinds of different ways of showing affection. But here's the problem. Man, you don't know what that is, and so you're going to have to ask. You're going to have to ask her. You know, uh, it could be a phone call in the middle of the day. I've had a lot of women that have come through our group said uh, when we talked about this, you know, I just, I, I just like it when my husband sends me a text message in the middle of the day that says, thinking about you, I love you. That's simple. You know, showing affection. It could be complimenting her. I don't know what it is for your wife, but you need to know, <laughs> right? You need to know. What it is, because it's a basic emotional need that she has, and if you aren't meeting it, her biggest emotional need is not being met, and that's a slippery slope to be on, okay? And Dr. Harley says, and I agree with this from what I've seen counseling couples and talking to couples, is that men radically underestimate how huge a need is for women. Because most men, for the most part, we don't have this need. And we don't even understand it. Right? Men aren't much on holding hands and talking about our feelings. We're just not. You know? So we don't think it's important. It makes us uncomfortable. And so we don't do it. And that is a huge, huge mistake. Now, this is easy when you're dating though, right? I mean, men seem to mysteriously know how to do this when they're dating. You know, it comes easy to us because we're all trying our best to smell our best, to look our best, to act our best, and you're just, we're faking it, right? So what we got to do is we got to figure out how we faked it when we were dating and fake it now, right? <laughs> we're all trying our best and we're laying it on thick to win our love, but here's what happens and then you get married, right? And I've heard men say this. You know, and they're like, well, I don't have to do that junk anymore. I got my girl, you know. Well, I'm all done with that. 
right? Wrong. Many women will tell you that affection is one of the top needs that they have in a relationship. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7 that husbands basically speaks to the fact that husbands must honor their wives, right? And, and, and so men, our responsibility to our wives in marriage is to honor them. And you honor them most by showing them affection and meeting their need of affection. So men, I want to encourage you sometime this week, maybe on your way home, if the kids aren't in the car, just ask your wife, what are some ways that you like to be shown affection? What are some things that I do or could do that would make you happy? All right, have the conversation because here's what I know about men. They can't read a woman's mind, <laughs> right? And women, you need to know that too. We can't read your mind. And we as men, we need help with this. Because when he asks you, when he gets up the guts and the nerve to ask you what it is that he can do to show you affection, if you say nothing to him, that means nothing. <laughs> and we're all good. And we're not going to ask you that question again. So women, you better have an answer prepared. Because <laughs> we need some help. Because we don't have a clue about this. This is typically one of the lowest needs for men. But it's the highest for women. So men, ask your wife how she likes to be shown affection. And then do it. Because, pay attention. Because if you will, this one is the key to your number one emotional need. All right, and that's this. The most common need a man has in a relationship. And I'm going to put this as nicely as I can. Physical fulfillment. The room just got a little quiet. Because you're scared to death how I'm going to explain this. And you should be. When we uh, teach this in our home, Lynette takes this one because they don't trust me with it. Reminds me of a story I heard about a little girl. She went up to her daddy and she said, Daddy, where did I come from? And he was just like, oh, not so soon. You know, totally caught him off guard. He wasn't prepared to have this talk with his daughter about the birds and the bees, but he, he just went with it. He did the, the best he could to explain to his daughter, you know, where she came from and how all that happened. He gets done, and he's sweating. Her eyes are about this big. Her mouth is dropped open. She says, wow. Susie says she came from New Jersey. Y'all got way too tickled at that. That, that wasn't, the early service didn't even hardly laugh. They were like. <laughs> but seriously, this is real. I'm, I mean, when it comes to sexuality, this is an area that is everywhere in our culture today, right? I mean, you, you can turn on the TV. You turn on the radio. There's not a, hardly a song that, that plays on the radio that doesn't have some innuendo or something, you know, 
about that. We live in a culture that is saturated and infatuated with sex. And the Bible is very clear about this within the context and the priority of it in marriage. Uh, marriage is this commitment and covenant that, that two people make together which includes this commitment of intimacy between a husband and a wife and solely there. L listen again, God created this, right? He created marriage. He created sex. But again, he gives us these boundaries to enjoy it within the covenant of marriage. A and it's not to limit us. Right? It's not to limit the freedom of us or single people. You know, single people today, the younger generation thinks that it's absolutely absurd that God would say marriage can only, I mean, uh, that sex should only be take place within the context of marriage. They think it's crazy. And this is not to limit the freedom of single people or to give us some rules so that we can somehow prove ourselves to God that we're religious enough for him. But here's the deal. We have to trust God on this. We have to trust that these boundaries and what he's saying to us are for our own good. Right? It's what's best for us. He's not trying to limit us. He's not trying to take away our freedoms. But the God that created all of this and said it was good... Right? He's trying to protect you from a lot of pain and a lot of heartache that can come when we step outside the sandbox. When we step outside these boundaries. And even within the context of commitment and marriage, this is still something that can bring a lot of stress, a lot of tension, even, even to a marriage. Because most of the time, one of the two people in a marriage has a much greater need for this than the other one does. And most of the time, that's the man, right? But it's not always the case. Sometimes it's the other way around. But for the most part, this is the man's greatest need. And honestly, this can be a source of tension uh, uh, in a marriage because the man has a need, like we were talking about with affection earlier. It's a, it's a legitimate need. Like we need water, we need food, we need physical fulfillment, right? And so the man has this need and he gets frustrated because he just wants his need met. Well, man, I'm about to solve all of your problems here today, okay? Here's how you get your need met. Y'all are nervous as a bunch of cats. Huh? Frankie, what'd you say? Show affection, man. Frankie's got it all figured out. Why do you think he's always smiling? <laughs> I didn't tell him to say that. He knows. He's got it figured out. They both are grinning all the time. <laughs> Fellas, pay attention. <laughs> That's how exactly how you get your need met. You got to ramp up the affection. And the ladies are all like, yeah. And the guys are like, why did we even come to church today? <laughs> Dr. Harley says this, and this, this, is, this is good, good stuff. He says, affection is the environment of marriage. Sex is the event. 
Now, now guys get frustrated with this. And, and they get upset. And, and you know, they, they wish that their needs were just getting met. And more than likely, she's frustrated. And she's upset. Because she just wishes that there was a little more affection. And a little more kindness. And a little more conversation that's happening. But remember what Paul says. Remember what he said. Marriage isn't a place to stand up for your rights. Right? It's a place where you serve one another. He said it more specifically like this. And men, I, you'll like this. That's why I'm putting it on the screen. Take a picture of this. Make it your screensaver. He says this, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 3. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. We can do that. And the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. All right? So within the context of a healthy marriage, what's this saying here? You serve one another. You meet one another's needs. It's not just one-sided, right? Affection and fulfillment, they work together. They both are important. They both are required. And as soon as you start making it about your rights, now if you took a picture of this, and tonight when you get home, or you get in bed, and you pull out your phone, and you show this to your wife, she's going to hit you over the head with your phone. And then you're going to sleep on the couch. Because it ain't about your rights. You hear what I'm saying? You can take this verse all day long and say, but the Bible says... Y'all should really go to our marriage group. We have a lot of fun. But as soon as you start making it about your rights, you're going to be frustrated. Okay? Because marriage is give and take. It's not just take, 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 take. She needs affection. He needs physical fulfillment. And here's another one. She needs intimate conversation. And again, this is another huge, huge thing for women. And, and, and again, men, <laughs> we're terrible at this, right? We're, we're terrible at this. Conversation is hard, but we need to know that conversation is critical. And again, think back to when you were dating. It was easy, wasn't it? There was a lot of conversation going on. You old people spent a lot of time talking on the phone, right? And the neighbor would get on the party lines and get off the phone with your boyfriend, you know? Nowadays, it's, you know, text messages, text, 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 Snapchats. There's a whole lot of communicating going on, a whole lot of conversation taking place, going back and forth uh, when you're dating, and, and I'm just going to throw this out there. But have you ever noticed sometimes that a woman will have an affair with a guy? And you look at the guy she's having an affair with and you go, really? You know, and you look at her husband and go, you know, he, he, look at, he looks good. He's got a great job. He seems to have it all together, you know. And then you look at the person she has an affair with and you go, What? It happens a lot, actually. But, but here's the deal, guys. Your wife fell in love with you because of conversation and affection. 
It wasn't your great looks. I hate to burst your bubble. Think about when you were dating. What did you do to woo your wife? You showed her affection and you had conversation. She fell in love with you because of conversation and affection, and she will stay in love with you because of conversation and affection. Because she needs that. It's the glue that holds it all together. Okay? And when we understand that marriage is about serving one another, then the result of that will be conversation and affection. It's very important. So I just want to encourage you to make some time every day, every single day that you possibly can, sit down and try to have a conversation with your wife. Let me tell you something. She will know that you care about her if you ask her what's going on with her. She will know you care if she gets home that day or you get home that day and you ask, how was your day? And then listen, all right? Real quick, go, how's your day? And then run to the other room, right? That, that don't fly. <laughs> how was your day? And, and, and simply spend time listening and talking. And this is huge, okay? She needs conversation. Men would say we need a little less conversation and a lot more action. I think there was a song about that. Elvis sang that. I'm sorry. That wasn't in my notes. I'm sorry. Just... She needs conversation. This is my favorite one that we cover, especially in our marriage group. He needs recreational companionship. In all of Dr. Harley's studies and research that he did, he found the number two need of most men in a relationship is recreational companionship. And I'm just going to tell you, the majority of men that have come through our marriage class with their wife, after we have taught this lesson on recreational companionship, the majority of those men have either got a new side-by-side, -side, a new four-wheeler, a new boat, um, new horse, whatever it may be, because we stress the importance of recreational companionship. So what is that? Well, it's simply this. It's stuff that you do together. Things like you did when you were dating. Remember that? Being together, doing stuff together. This is the number two need that men have is having recreational companionship. And, and I don't know what that will look like for you, but here's a great place to start. Ladies, it means doing stuff with your husband that you may or may not enjoy doing, but you do it because it makes him happy. That, that's what it looks like. And, and I know what you women are thinking. We talk about this in our group a lot. You look at the two emotional needs of a woman, affection and conversation. You look at the two top emotional needs of a man, sex and recreational companionship, and y'all thinking we're a little shallow. Right? I have no defense for that. But it is what it is, and so you got to deal with it. If you want to have a good relationship, you need to understand this is what drives a woman and this is what drives a man. And, and so recreational companionship, it is that. And it may seem shallow to women. It may seem dumb, but it's because you don't understand us. 
You don't understand men, and this is often a huge need that men have when it comes to relationships. And in order for you to have a good marriage, again, it is give and it is take. It's serving one another and it's meeting each other's needs, being aware of those needs and doing your best to serve them and to meet those needs. Here's what Dr. Harley says in his book that, that I thought was very insightful. He says this, after marriage, spouses get lazy and they want to take shortcuts. Listen, women find time for affection and intimate conversation, but they're too busy or too tired for sexual fulfillment or recreational companionship. On the other hand, men can drop almost anything at any time for sexual fulfillment or recreational companionship, but they can't fit affection or intimate conversation into their busy schedules. So here's the deal. We often come at this thing from two totally different perspectives, right? He needs recreational companionship. But here is the most important thing this morning. Whether you are here and you are single, married, divorced, or whatever, we all need God. We all need God. We all need his goodness and his grace. And that is what keeps us together and keeps us united as we follow him in faith. Listen, Lynette and I have counseled with many couples that were drifting, and some had drifted so far apart that were, there was no putting it back together again. Some have taken these principles that I've shared with you this morning and repaired what seemed to be unrepairable and is mind-boggling and mind-blowing to see God do that. Listen, no one is having affairs and no one is talking about divorce when they are deeply and passionately in love with each other. But it takes work. It takes work. It takes having an awareness about the fact that marriage is about serving the other person instead of just being served. And when you begin to serve one another... When you begin to serve one another, it may not happen overnight, but eventually those feelings of love will begin to follow those actions. It may feel like you're forcing it, guys. Force it. Force it. It's that important. Someone here this morning needs to hear this. It's not too late. It's not too late. It's not too late to have what you had. When you got married, it's not too late. Maybe you've, you've drifted to a point that you find yourself on a slippery slope. Maybe you've drifted to a point to where you find yourself flirting with someone else or saying and doing things that you know you shouldn't be saying and doing and participating in. And you've been kind of playing around outside the boundaries that God defined to you. And it's a really dangerous place to be playing because someone is going to get hurt. And more than likely, a lot of someones are going to get hurt. Listen, it's not too late. And I just want to challenge you this morning, before you cross that line, lean into what God has for you. Lean into what God wants for you within the boundaries that he wants you to live in. Believe and trust in what he's asking us to do. Trust in that. It's in your best interest to do it.
This is so important. God wants you to meet your spouse's needs, not somebody else's needs. It's not too late. Give God a chance, and it might just save you a whole lot of pain and a whole lot of heartache. And again this morning, you don't have to. You don't have to. You get to do it to live in the wonderful blessings that God wants for you in your life. Amen. God, we thank you for this awesome reminder. And while we may not all can relate, and we may not all be in a situation where we need to hear it, there's a great message there for every single one of us today. You created us to serve one another. And that looks beautiful no matter where it happens. But it looks even more beautiful when you see it happen within the context of a husband and wife and marriage. So God, I just want to pray for any that are here today that might actually be drifting and not even aware that it's taking place. But they needed to hear this today. And you brought them here specifically today to hear this because you love them and you care about them and you want, you want what's best for them in their marriage. And so today I pray that you do what only you could do, but that we would also do what we need to do, have those conversations, identify those needs, and then do our best to meet those needs because it's more give than it is take. And we thank you today for that awesome reminder. We thank you today for your love for us. We thank you today for wanting what is only best for us and is in our best interest. We love you too. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.